Hi, I'm Evan Hunsberger. And I'm Will Overman. And you're listening to Deep Cuts and Coffee. This week, we're really excited to invite not just one, but two guests to our show, Tyler Meacham and Chip Hale. Tyler is a singer-songwriter turned indie pop frontwoman who released her debut EP, Property, in November of 2019. Produced by collaborator and bass player Chip Hale, Meacham's solo music has taken on new life in the form of a full band record which fuses synth rock with indie pop and a dash of Americana. Chip is also a singer-songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. As a bassist, he has shared stages throughout Richmond with multiple bands and songwriters, as well as played to audiences across the country and around the world. Please welcome to our show, Tyler Meacham and Chip Hale. This is Tyler Meacham. And this is Chip Hale. And you're listening to Deep Cuts and Coffee. I, I think the first time I met you guys, and the only time, sadly, um, was back in December at Capitol Ale. And I think you guys were opening as a trio, if I'm correct. Yeah, we probably had Nate Hubbard with us yeah. for that. We did a run of shows where it was just kind of the trio, the trio set, which is fun. It's fun Dude, to the, go acoustic. The trio rocks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's what we've been touring mostly as for a while now, just a three-piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a ton of fun to just like, you know, lock in, pull a, um, you know, Steve Jordan, Pino Palladino, and John Mayer uh, in the Americana world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not playing to that level. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I wish I had Steve Jordan's groove. It's just can't say yeah. enough good things about it. Um, that's a, what about you? Evan? That's a that's a strong strong trio to compare yourself to. That's I think that's <laughs> like that's the to me like that's the modern standard of of power trio. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish that I wish that I was there. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to figure out when was when did I meet? So I think I met Tyler. Um, uh, I mean, it was obviously like through you, Chip, because you and I met at uh, Clementine when I was playing with Strongwater, and um, uh, you were playing the show with. Uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember their name now. Oh, the Trungoni Band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Trungoni Band. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, Trungoni Band, and then um, yeah, we just like stayed in touch after that, and invited you to come on the road with Strongwater a couple times. And, yep. um, and then I set up a show for you guys in, um, in Roanoke and that Strongwater couldn't do. And I guess that's when I met you, Tyler. That was the first time that you, that you and I had actually met each other face to face, but I'd been listening to your music for like six months at that point. Yeah. And I think that we, we had been talking a lot cause you learned like our whole three hour set. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Evan, Evan <laughs> oh sat God. in with us probably on that, on that Roanoke show? Yeah. yeah. So by the time you got yeah. there, I was like, you're not a stranger. <laughs> like we've been going back and forth on, on all this. So yeah. 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 That was, that was fun learning a three hour set in like, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, something like that. Yeah. It's always a blast. <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> stressful a, at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, you definitely handled it far better than I did, Chip, when you came on on the road with Strongwater uh, for that show in Charlotte. I don't know about that. I, I think it was a it's a pretty even split, but I'm not keeping score. I, I did better <laughs> though. But I appreciate not, that. I'm not keeping score. Dude, <laughs> there there is something to having a uh, we we had that same situation for like an entire tour once where we had to pick up a drummer on the way to our first show and uh, had never played our music, but my bass player, great guy, he's like totally locked into it but pretty much the entire tour he like 
sat on the drummer's shoulder and just like whispered <laughs> into his ear. He's like, all right, we're going to change here. And the tempo is going to change and the time signature is going to change and hit. Uh, like it was, it was amazing seeing him work through that the entire time. Yep. Eyes the, uh, glued the whole time. Right. And, and the, and the, the language that you have to be able to speak, it's, it's different. Like the mm-hmm. conversations between a drummer and a bassist when it comes to like giving signals and like mm-hmm. one hit, you know, and like everything, yeah. everything yep. you do physically is going to be read by the drummer. So even if it's like, if you're just making a face, I, I've gotten that before. Where it's like, oh, it's, you just see like look of panic. <laughs> it's like, oh no. And it's, you're fine. I'm good. I could have messed up. You don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, the, thing, the thing I love about you, Evan, is that, um, we threw so much complicated music at you and like even our songs are not straightforward like there are a lot of changes and just like ridiculous stops and there are a lot of drummers that'll come in and they'll be like kind of shy but you just mm-hmm. go for it and I, it, like, it makes everything better it's so fun right yeah so props thank you really appreciate that yeah. that means that means a lot so everyone who's listening to this podcast obviously <laughs> hire me for your next yeah. tour <laughs> he's available <laughs> Uh, well, obviously, with tours not going on right now, like, what are you guys doing in quarantine? I keep on seeing you guys, like, post these awesome dinners and stuff that you guys are making. And last night, you guys were eating uh, Taco Bell. So, obviously, you're, you're doing well. <laughs> living our best life. Yeah, we're really living it up right now because I'm about to get my wisdom teeth out. So, it's kind of like Ooh. do everything you possibly can before the end of the ability to use my face. Um, but, yeah, we've been cooking a lot. I usually I used to be the one that does all the cooking, but now Chip's a, a yeah. sous chef. I've kind of a boy. I kind of took the initiative there. Uh, I, I I've tried to do a little bit of everything to stay busy, but cooking has definitely been really fun. I've actually enjoyed it a lot, and um, I think we I think we enjoy dinner that much more when we make it together. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but aside from that, puzzles, video games, going on our afternoon walks. It's kind of like being old. And yeah. like elderly and just <laughs> you live by your your daily walks and your meals and yeah. your games. And we've all luckily we've we've all got musician friends too who have been mm-hmm. doing online projects and um so working on those and staying in communication and staying up on kind of music chops by recording for other people with other people. Um it's been a it's been a great learning experience on the recording process really yeah i think too yeah. yeah it's it's i've done a lot of um virtual songwriting um where it's like me another songwriter and a a, uh, a remote producer so we're having to record and track everything on our end and, and ship it over and they just drop it into logic but it has made me i'm not good at it but i'm, I'm a lot farther along than i was i mean even just my mic knowledge has has mm-hmm. grown vastly from having to work through this period yeah, I've uh, I've I've started doing mixes, like started mixing. So as as we're getting Sweet. as we're getting kind of videos together, it's like, well, could you just send me the tracks, and you don't ever have to hear it if you don't want to hear it. I'm gonna mix it anyway and send it to you and get feedback. And it's uh, you know, you might as well learn something, I guess, and and apply yourself in other fields if if this yeah. is sort of the hand that's dealt. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a nice thing right now is that no one has any idea what's going on. So we're all just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what's mm-hmm. going to stick. And there are no judgments because there's no standard for what's right and what's wrong right now. 
Right. So it's, it's, I mean, from like the creation of music, I'm writing differently just because I can, I'm not writing for a certain project or anything. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's been nice finding those little silver linings and all this craziness. Absolutely. So like, I, I want to ask, are, are you guys working on any content? Tyler, I know that you put out uh, a video like during, I think it was like right at the start of quarantine. And did you guys record that like before everything shut down? Yeah, we recorded a song called Hardly Feels Like Home uh, probably like late February. And it's crazy because it was so normal. Like we weren't preparing for anything to happen. We weren't preparing for our lives to be shut down, even though we probably Mm -hmm. should have been. Um, Yeah, we recorded that at a studio called Go West here in Richmond. And it just so happened that we released that track the day of the statewide shutdown. The wow. day of the the emergency order, so it's it's so crazy that that was kind of like completely outside of our plans. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, when we went in to record that, I just I think we all just wanted it recorded. We wanted the song out there, and it wasn't like something we were um, using to promote an upcoming record. It's just something that we knew that that song needed to be heard in some way, mm-hmm. and the timing was just kind of ironic. Yeah. We had a really great show, too, scheduled um, as part of Tyler's um, residency at the Camel. And it just just all seemed perfect at that moment, Mm -hmm. you know. And the song is one that a lot of folks after shows approach us and go, where can I hear that again? And where can we get that? And uh, so, yeah, it it seemed like just a great way to kind of thank our fans for being involved and something yeah. to celebrate the night of our, our residency. And mm-hmm. and then the residency was like, I think we had maybe nine people in the door, yeah. which was crazy. Cause it was, it was literally two hours before doors that we went into a state of emergency. Wow. Yeah. So it was, wow. it was crazy. And it was, we were definitely were like, I think it was probably the last show that was at the camel. And mm-hmm. the, the f- general feeling was like, okay, this is real now. Like this is the way it's going to be. Like, yeah. That's just, it was, it was such an odd feeling and it definitely became, it became very real. It was very sobering and it was hard to kind of come back from that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a visual representation of what the future was potentially going to look like. And it it was kind of, in a lot of ways, as Tyler was saying, is, is stuck with us because it's like this, this could be. Even if things open back up, this could be the reality that there's only going to be a few people who really feel comfortable coming mm-hmm. out and going to a show. And, of course, looking back now, um, maybe wouldn't have had it at all. But there's no telling at the, in the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, our last song was in, was in South Carolina, and I, I, I think I'm kind of glad that I didn't see it post-shutdown. Or, or like... <laughs> Anything after that weird mixing period of people, like, I think it was March 11th, and we were driving from, um, what, Atlanta to South Carolina, and it was just, like, mm-hmm. things started yeah. to snowball, and it started to feel real, but yet we still had the show that night, and people came out, and, and it was, like, a big party, a big yeah. opera concert, and it felt great, mm-hmm. um, but I think if we had played even the next two shows we had lined up on tour, it would have it would have felt really weird, and I'm, I'm almost happy I didn't have to see things in that state of flux. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we had a weird, just like, I mean, we talked about it the entire tour. Um, you know, we started on March 6th and you know, it, it, we drove home, 
because um, we had an off day on March 12th, which is the day after that that uh, show just north of Charleston. And, um, you know, we I mean, we talked about the whole tour, just like how odd it was that we were bouncing around from city to city, um, just kind of like watching this thing unfold uh, from the screens of our, our cell phones and, and, you know, interacting with, you know, 50 to 100 people in a night. And, uh, you know, just like it, it didn't seem like it was real in the, in the towns and cities that we, that we went into. But like, again, we, we just saw it unfolding in the news and, uh, you know, we, we joked that it was like we were air force one, like flying through a storm, uh, or something like that while the whole world falls apart around us. Um, but then it's like, we never got off of that state of tour that, okay, who cares what time it is? Um, you know, you can drink coffee at basically any time of the day cause you need it. True. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, alcohol is, yep fair game as well. Um, and you're just eating whatever is put in front of you. Um, so yeah, it was just super weird, uh, continuing that. Yeah. We were actually on a run of so far shows, just chipping myself that week before. And we were in the Northeast knowing full well that it was, it was a threat. Like I think Boston and New York were already seeing some serious numbers, but we were in Philly, we were in Baltimore and there was definitely kind of like a, a positive, let's do what we can to prevent this. Like at the so far shows, they're like, no touching. Let's just do the elbow thing, mm-hmm. you know, bump elbows. But I mean, we were in spaces that were packed with like 60 people, like about the size of our apartment. Mm-hmm. So wow. we definitely put ourselves at risk. And then like within the next week, things became more serious down South. Um, a good friend of ours was actually also on a so far tour on the exact same weekend. Wow. And he actually ended up coming back and had and had caught it had caught coronavirus wow. so yeah um, he he did a show in boston and returned and then kind of two weeks later we and it was it was definitely like a realization for us too because then we were doing the math it's like we had just seen him yeah and we we're like were we in the same room before he went to boston or after boston are we on that and then yeah. Yeah, yeah so it was definitely like it was such a threat to all of us but like no one knew or like wanted to admit that it was scary until it like was so i don't know it's just oh yeah we say we say that every day i think like the the week leading up to it i mean i I remember talking to my wife about it in december just saying like oh there's this crazy virus in china like that's nuts and then i mean come march 1st we were gearing up to leave for tour and i think that evan and i were like in this not it wasn't even denial it was just like no one really could grasp what was coming because we've never been through this thing before. And right, right. I, I even think throughout tour, all of us musicians were, you know, subconsciously just hoping and praying that this wasn't going to like lead to a complete fallout, which it did. Um, but it was weird. Like, you know, it wasn't like we were surrounding ourselves with dumb people who don't want to believe in things. I don't, I don't consider myself right. so, that kind of person, but it was, it was really hard to believe, and for I, I think I mm-hmm. tried to try to like brush it off for as long as I could until basically the government was like, "Nah, this is real. Deal with it." Yeah, yeah. I mean, and major honestly, major props to all of those local and city governments that started you know putting um, policies and procedures in place um, on on the front end ahead of you know states and the federal government deciding to you know make decisions because, you know, I, I know that there were people that, um, and, and also, I mean, the venues too, I mean, so far, you know, 
that's that's huge that they were saying, hey, we're going to take this seriously. We don't know how bad it's going to be, but we're gonna just going to, hey, here's some basic precautions. Um, and I think that that's kind of the mindset that I took on as as a manager, as a booking agent, um, as well as just, you know, somebody who is going on tour uh, with two other guys was, all right, my job is to not only keep myself safe, but also keep these other two guys that I'm on the road with safe, as well as, you know, think about what am, what am I doing uh, in interacting with other people that I can potentially help keep them safe as well. But it's just, it's so easy, um, at least I think, you know, pre-everything getting shut down, it was so easy to think that, oh, we, I'm just hanging out at the merch table and, you know, I'm going to talk and, you know, potentially shake the hand of this person that's coming up to, you know, say congratulations on a, on a great show. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to shake their hand and it, wait. Uh, oh, my gosh, I don't want to do that. Um, so it's it's weird how it's kind of completely changed our minds um, on a on a conscious and a subconscious level. Yeah. Um, to to pivot a little bit, um, other than making music with your bandmates, sharing that show and that experience with fans, all the stuff that us musicians obviously are, are yearning for. What do you guys find yourselves? missing the most from walking to get a cup of coffee to getting a beer at the end of the day uh baseball for me yeah we're big baseball fans we go to see the flying squirrels here in richmond all the time we actually bought two sets of of game tickets i think 16 tickets total to use throughout the season yeah about like two weeks before everything got canceled so we have we just have those tickets sitting on our coffee table and it's like a reminder (laughs) every day we'd already mapped out we'd mapped out the season we knew what games we were going to go to and (laughs) uh, and yeah we we went i think four games last year really enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. yeah we made the conscious effort we were like we're going to get in early and and get our tickets and of course i think it was that week they we, came in and it was yeah. like everything's everything's canceled for the time being. Yeah, um, so. it's I I definitely miss sports in general. Um, it's such a nice distraction from the you know the regular world. It's something you can be excited about. And um, but yeah, baseball is a big one. I, I think just being around people. People, yeah. I think that's the mm-hmm. big one. You know, getting together with our friends and and this is the time of year when like I I can be pretty introverted like half of the year like when the weather's cold I don't want to go out I don't want to see anybody but like when it's warm outside I want to be with my people I want to have like cookouts and hangs and I want to make drinks and just do the whole thing and it's been it's been kind of like a bummer to do like we're doing the zoom hangs and we're doing all of the like virtual happy hour stuff but it's like I mean I'd much rather see you people and like be able to hug you a good friend mm-hmm. of mine, like we ran into a good friend of mine on the sidewalk and she was like, I just miss hugs so much. I miss being right. able to hug you. And, and so yeah, it's like little things like that that make you realize like what we as humans crave. And it's not mm-hmm. just like having a social life. It's those little interactions. It's even the small kind of social cues you get from running into an acquaintance or just like, mm-hmm. you know, conversations on the street with strangers. It's like everything's weird now. And I miss it not being weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. And, uh, right. And then, and too, and it's impossible not to think, well, when is, when are those things going to come back? And when mm-hmm. is it okay? Like Evan was talking about just standing at a merch table. Does that exist post-pandemic? 
yeah that yeah. interaction like i that's and i think just not knowing is is really that's that's really the hardest part of all of it yeah there i was definitely have to be there's definitely going to have to be a new normal like it won't go back to normal yeah there'll be something yeah. different yeah yeah and I'm, I'm hopeful there are some positives to come out of that i think i've i've hit some pretty low lows during all of this um but I, but I, so I'm trying to really focus on like how things could be could come out on the other side and we've you know cleaned things up or we've we've realized things that we maybe never would have had we not had so much time to just think and address problems. Um, yep. So I'm hopeful that on the music end of things that we can figure this out in a way that down the line will be a better system. I mean, even if that's like from the you know back of house industry angle, I, I don't know if yeah. It's terrible, weird, weird segue, but all the food that my wife and I buy now, almost all of it seems to be local. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be a cool outcome of this is that people are kind of scared of like a lack of self-reliance and everything and want to support local and support their communities. And mm -hmm. I hope that that desire to support local music is the same, you know, to yeah. support the venues and the artists. And I, I think people will, if they haven't already, really grasp onto the cultural value of, of music because it's what's mm -hmm. going to get people through these crazy freaking times right yeah i don't think people will miss shows for a while you know what i mean like miss going to a yeah. show not like miss them as in like you know um because you you take it for granted especially where we're at in richmond it's such a vibrant scene we could literally mm -hmm. go out every night of the week and see something completely different mm -hmm. right and that's what makes our city wonderful and, and excellent at least for the two of us i mean every i think everybody here in richmond has something that they grasp onto and i think that right. that too is what you know the what people love about it but for us you know being in the scene going and seeing musicians supporting mm -hmm. our fellow you know musicians it's it's a big part of our life and when you take a huge part of your life away whether it be going to see shows and supporting people and then also playing those shows Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely left a void, and um, when things when we can go see people and support folks, we will. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what have you guys been like? How, how have you been trying to fill that void? I mean, I, again, like, I know that we've been talking about, um, you know, playing music uh, remotely and and all the mm -hmm. all the uh, you know hangs um, uh, via Zoom and, and whatnot. But I guess, like, uh, is there any uh, particular media that you find yourself consuming more or perhaps even that you've gotten sick and tired of because I, I know that I've had that experience as well like they're just some mediums that I'm just like I can't I just can't do this anymore I'm just I've, I've consumed so much of it now that it's not human interaction that I just I, I can't do it anymore I think both of us have had a different response to um, the situation we're in like just as people we handle uh, struggle differently. Um, for me, I, I definitely have been, I felt like I've been in a grieving process, like grieving the loss of everything that was supposed to be happening, like our trajectory, basically our plans. That's been really hard for me personally. So music hasn't necessarily been my friend over the last two months. Um, I definitely tried to do the live streaming thing for a little bit. And that's, mm -hmm kind of to answer your question, what's something you got sick of? It was that I, I would do a couple of live streams just by myself. And it, it was so not the feeling that mm -hmm. performing live gives you. It was right. like so far from it. Um, I found that like live streaming, I, I was so much more self analytical and like 
mistakes to me were so much louder on a live stream than they would have been like on a stage. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been doing a lot more of just trying to like take care of myself and, um, whether that's like spending more time like journaling or for me, it's playing animal crossing, which like calms me down and, and like gives me something to like focus on and work on for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gotten into some Netflix shows. Uh, we were really into Dead to Me for a minute. Yeah. And like watching Star Luckily. Wars movies and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I've been trying to be as gentle with myself as I can and not mm-hmm. push music because there was a time when I, when I felt this pressure, like I need to keep writing. I need to keep recording. Everyone else is doing it. When things go back to normal, if they ever do, like if I don't do this now, we're going to be behind the eight ball. And I think what I had to realize was that for me personally, which I know Chip is very different, I need to let music come to me. And if I try and push it, I'm just going to, you know, feel this anger that really like Mm. when you're grieving something, it's really easy to become angry as a cover up for just your feeling of sadness. And I think for me, it's just been kind of a like sad time that needs to be dealt with gently. So Mm you know, in all sorts of ways. We definitely like reverted back to some of our like childlike interests. We built a fort recently on, on my request. So yeah, stuff like that. I identify with so much of what you're saying. I like from the live streaming I've, as Evan knows, I mean, we, we scheme on how to take advantage of this as much as we can. And I've always been so reticent towards the live streams because I think there's, there's, I think we're all realizing there's so much more of a give and take to music than we thought, even though we already acknowledged there was a huge give and take, you know, mm-hmm. with with the fans, with the audience. But with mm-hmm. live streaming, it's just it's just taxing. It's you're not yeah, giving yeah. there's there's no contact, there are comments through Facebook, but it's 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 not the same. It's such a weird thing to finish the song and be like, Those are my emotions. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> and like and there's or, no no like there's just no reaction and um, you finish the song and you see six people left. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I just at, ripped. At least, at least with the lights on on stage, you can't see people walk out of the room. Exactly, yeah. and it could be nothing. It could have been that they were just scrolling through the feed because you all, mm-hmm. we all do it. You know, right. it's like, oh, okay, I'll listen to a song. Okay, cool. Yeah. Or you yeah. accidentally bump it when you're scrolling through your phone. It says, blah, 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 person has gone live. And you just right. accidentally yeah. click you're it. On a, you're on your you're walk. Like, oh, gosh. Now you're listening to a stream. Yeah. yeah. I feel I feel weird answering, I guess, how I approached everything after hearing Tyler's response. Because it was, it was like so much of, you know, um, you know, stay away from, get away from music and kind of like do everything else. I don't know. I, I kind of took the opposite approach. I guess I was so, so busy before this, like having to stay on top of my gigs and learn other people's music. I just took the time to just sit down and just work on anything else. Nice. So it was just tackling music that I'd always wanted to sit down and, and learn and, um, you know, just, just trying to, trying to do as much as I could to, to stay up on musical chops and, maybe take different approaches to tunes that we already played and all sorts of stuff. And maybe not to the benefit of Tyler as well. Cause it, that we live in the same house. It's tough to, you know, one person's going through this and I'm taking it the exact opposite way. So there's definitely have to been like a balance where it's like, okay, I got to mm-hmm. stop doing this. Not for, you know, so that way I get up and, and get around today, but also just knowing that, you know, I got to make sure that Tyler's also good and we're good collectively. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also are the the house we live in, Evan's been here. Um, it's like a shotgun style apartment. Yep. So the entire thing's like one long hallway. So there's no there's no rooms or doors or anything like that. <laughs> right. So, so it's definitely like yeah, you can't really go into a space and work. We're we're working on moving, but um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I guess like, how did we forget the fact that the entire upstairs of our apartment building during the first week of this? No, first two weeks was getting demolished. Oh god! <laughs> so we're living here, and it sounds like the roof is caving in every oh, single day. Oh. Nine o'clock in the morning, hammers, the whole thing. Wow. Uh, it, it was just. It was rough. It was really rough. Yeah. It just, it was like any, I mean, it just. I couldn't describe the sound to you other than like, if you thought the walls were actually going to fall down on you. And this happens all the time too, because there's like sediment and stuff falling. I was in the Mm. bathroom the other day. I was like about to get in the shower and I heard like a brick fall and I literally looked up like it was coming for me. (laughs) Yeah. So it's. It's been a very interesting. Then we had <laughs> we had a we had like what we had water leakage as a result of this. Yeah, oh we had a leak. It's, and been... it's just what, what do you do? Wow. And you can't go anywhere. Right, right, right. So, right. Oh. so we've also been spending a lot of this time looking at houses. Yeah, so that's nice. been a, that's so that's been a thing that we've been we've been trying to get out of here. So yeah, we're but, dreaming of our studio. Yeah, Oof. I yeah. mean, you guys have a really. I mean, I'll say that you guys had a really cool apartment set up when I was able to visit that one time, but. Uh, yeah, I can imagine why you guys would want to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, oh, that happened. That was, that was a whole two week session of, of stuff. And it was, uh, we started as a result, we started geocaching a bunch. Yeah. I saw that. Which was, yeah. which was fun. Yeah. Geocaching for anyone that doesn't know is like a global treasure hunt that you can do on your phone or using a GPS and, there's thousands of these little hidden boxes full of trinkets all over the world that you you basically use coordinates to find and we'll go on hikes and and safely retrieve these things. We have our hand sanitizer and everything with us. So yeah, it's been fun. But so real quick just to touch back on something you said Tyler because I I it really struck a chord with me because I'm the same way. Like how are you guys both dealing with like the anxiety to produce at this point because I, I was the same way as you like once this happened I was like okay I'm gonna take full advantage I'm gonna create as much content be it video audio what the hell ever as I can so that I don't come out of this and I'm behind everyone else and now that this has gone on longer I'm realizing that everyone's behind and the rate at which stuff gets done is so much slower now because of this weird mix of like yep. no one's motivated to, to like get out of bed anymore and and life's just strange. So like how I, I, I've, I've slowed my pace, but I think been a little more intentional now. How have you guys kind of dealt with that change? For me, my anxiety is actually an everyday struggle. Like it's, it's not just regarding music, but it's really just something that I live with and something that I um, like actively and proudly work with a great therapist on like every other week. Um, what tends to happen for me in terms of whether or not I'm feeling productive, um, my anxiety can cause me to like be really mean to myself. Um, and for a while here I've, and I still, I still am struggling, um, with not making things and with not being in front of people and not performing. And I realized that so much of my self-worth, whether right or wrong, 
as a performer and as a creator is derived from the interactions I have with people consuming what I make. And I think it's been an ongoing battle and it's an everyday choice to remind myself that like, I'm still me even without the pressure to perform and the pressure to produce. Like before all of this happened and Chip can, can confirm this, I would spend countless hours every day, nonstop working, like Mm. addictively working. And my anxiety would propel me to keep going, get the band out there, get the music out there, like make plans. And it was so future focused. And like, I think there's a really great um, blogger that I've been following recently named Kate Bowler. And she posted something recently that really resonated with me, especially as someone that as, as artists, we're always thinking about the future. We're always thinking about, yep. well, when this is done, when this is released, on this next tour, we're always looking forward. And so much of our hopes and dreams are placed in the future. And she presented this really fantastic theory that what if our hope is actually in the past? Like, what if right now the thing we use to combat this anxiety and this fear that things will never be the same is the idea that, well, things were actually great at one point before, and if you can go back and look back on on the past and find hope there, then maybe that can push you to to work and and work for the present, not necessarily for the future. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I don't think I've really broken through um, the writer's block quite yet. I, I've written like a song in quarantine and I think that's okay. Like I'm trying to be as gentle with myself as possible and know that like this is the strangest thing that's happened in like our lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And I think a conversation that we have on a regular basis kind of goes back to what we said at the top of all of this is that there is no standard, right? right? There is no there is no way that we all are supposed to respond to this. There's mm-hmm. no there's no right wrong you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You are doing what you're supposed to do in terms of, of creating and being an artist. And because of that, when we, we talked about you know live streams and things, they could be stressful and could be tough because it's you know you want to do well and you want to put out the best version of yourself, even if you aren't feeling up to that. And I think something we continuously went back and talked about was that anything that you provide at this time is a gift. Right, because everyone else is going through their own thing, and and just as just as when you release music any other time, people latch onto it for the lyrical content, the music, the way it makes them feel. If you give them something of yourself, even if it isn't you at your best, um, you have to think about. Even though it's hard to get that, we talked about the give and take. Um, you have to think about how it's helping other people during this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and and for the most part, it was it was something that people didn't even know they could get, you know. Um, but we we have that conversation a lot. I think we we kind of harkened back to it last night. Even you know, it's something we continuously say. It's like there there's no one saying that we have to have a record when this is all over, right? And there's no one saying that you know that you, your band has to be ready to go like day one, hit the ground running. Like it, it's going to be a long adjustment period for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That That's, that's what I need to hear more of is that, <laughs> you know, there is no, there is no standard because I create such as that concept in my head that I try and aim towards. It's, 
at the end of the day, just completely made up. And right. I don't need, I don't have to justify myself on norms that no longer exist in the, in the current state of things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, moving on with a uh, completely unprofessional podcast segue. What's your, <laughs> what's your morning routine as far as coffee and tea? Or something Great else? Question. Usually Chip gets up like way before me and makes coffee, and I get it eventually. But um, <laughs> I drink my coffee with a splash of silk unsweetened coconut milk, which is a very strange thing to put in your coffee but it makes me feel like i'm on an island so <laughs> and there's no sugar so yeah we wake up and we make a make a pot of whatever we have uh typically try to try to get coffee from black hand coffee here in town which is right literally a couple blocks over um we prefer dark roast coffee um where tyler tends to go with the coconut milk i drink mine straight so it's just nice just black coffee and uh yeah, I usually make make a pot of it, and I end up drinking about three quarters of it. So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, I drink a lot of coffee. It's I don't know when that necessarily started, but it that's that is sort of the routine. And then what we do while we're drinking coffee, um, I don't know. Usually, we usually make some sort of breakfast to go along with it. We had waffles and watched Star Wars this morning. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so I'm envious. My my mornings are so boring compared to that. <laughs> well, today today was extravagant. Extravagant. It was a, it was a pretty pretty uh, busy morning. It's, I guess. it's Wednesday, so why not? <laughs> yeah. You know how many how many times you guys find yourself saying that? You know. Oh my god. Well, it, well it's just tomorrow. Uh, we, we, <laughs> yeah. Too many times. Yeah. It's yeah. It's March four hundred and fifty eighth. So yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I think Tyler's you know, or or myself. It's like oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to sleep or whatever. It's like, well, it's so much I got to do tomorrow. So <laughs> I gotta... yeah, I used to get so freaked out about like not sleeping, and that used to be something that would cause me a lot of anxiety. But now I'm like, well, I can always sleep in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What well, what time is it really, anyways? Um, yeah. I mean, Andrew, Andrew and I have gone so far as to, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were just, again, just on that kick of who, who cares what time it is. And she ended up changing one of our clocks downstairs, uh, on our, our toaster oven back three hours, uh, to say that we're on <laughs> like, it's, it's five o'clock right now. Cool. Awesome. Let's keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know. It's it's five o'clock, you know. It's eight o'clock, and it's really eleven. Or you know, one time we stayed up until three a.m. because she was puzzling and I was playing video games, and we're like, it's midnight. <laughs> yeah, I think our drummer Brandon, <laughs> like probably a month back, him and his wife somehow accidentally made a pot of espresso. And they didn't realize it. They thought like espresso was the flavor of coffee or something like oh that. Oh my gosh. So they, they, they both posted this online that like they'd both individually woken up in the middle of the night and they didn't know why they weren't sleeping. And it was like, oh, we made espresso. We drank a whole pot of espresso today. <laughs> but it's like that doesn't, it just, that kind of stuff is like, oh well. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then ship, we got the we'll content. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we got the content from it because then it was, you know, hour by hour analysis of I'm doing this, <laughs> Brandon's doing that. And it's That's like awesome. craziness, you know? 
Shout out to Brandon O'Neill. He's fantastic. Yeah, I think we should, we should have him on here because I like to hear his coffee routine. Sounds, yeah, sounds oh, sporadic. You, know well, you should totally have. Matthew, for sure. Uh, Matthew Walsh is a mix engineer. He goes on tour with so many fantastic bands. And his girlfriend, Colleen, plays in our band, as well as her own project, Margot. And they are coffee connoisseurs. They took Sweet. us to a cupping one time, which is where you you like slurp coffee and you taste it and you mm-hmm. find the notes. It's like a wine tasting for coffee. Interesting. I would definitely hit them up. Yeah. And yeah, also Fridays, that. I believe, is the date when, when cupping comes back. Cause it, it might cupping's coming back? If it comes back, when it comes back. Yeah, but everyone like licks spoons and dips them in the same cup of water. Like how Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if 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 it comes back, it is like a really great way to like learn what you like about coffee. Get a bunch of free coffee at Blanchard's, right? Yep. Oh sweet. and and uh yeah, and learn about their process, like how they you know, where they they harvest this all, and well, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, but also a great way to c- catch coronavirus. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> like, I don't know. We did Two that right before all stone. of this too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Have you guys seen coffee those, those and coronavirus memes? fix? Ooh, alliterations are always great. Woo! Have you guys seen those memes about the airlines? It's like we're now offering millennials two hundred dollar tickets round trip to Iceland and the chance to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Sign me up. Oh, man. Oh, that's that's amazing. I, I know that my wife and I would actually jump on that if we had the chance because uh, I don't I don't know if you guys have seen, but she's been releasing all of our uh, footage from our time in the Netherlands yeah. Um, yeah. back uh, February a year ago. And, um, you know, that was obviously an awesome time. And we, we flew via Iceland Air and uh you know got to spend a short layover in in iceland and it's it's like mars over there it's crazy um which is it's just a super weird you know place to you fly from the united states to this ice planet like you're on hoth or whatever um and then you know (laughs) these pilots just land on this thin layer of ice and you're like this shouldn't be normal but it is (laughs) and they also have the best smelling coffee in an airport I think I've ever I've ever smelled. Wow. <laughs> Coffee yeah. is so different everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, yep. it, there there really is like you, you come back to America and it's just what is this? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really garbage. Sad. Yeah, it's garbage. They and, and I mean, they, it, they give it to you in such small amounts overseas and you're like I, how could this be enough? And then you're always satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. I remember in, yeah. my wife and I were traveling in Greece, and they, um, I forget what they're called there, but, like, their, like, Frappuccino is just this, like, delicious blend of Nescafe and cream, and it's cold, mm. and it's just, like, a, it's like a milkshake, and that's, like, the common drink, <sighs> and it just comes in, like, a plastic cup. It's nothing better than Nescafe, and it's, it's the bomb. It's creamy wow. goodness. Ugh. Uh, well, anyways, off of coffee, another good, good, seg- good <laughs> we, segue. We here. could talk about that. We could. There's there's a lot of stories, uh, <laughs> <sure>. coffee related. <laughs> uh, Evan, you want to explain the next topic? Yeah. Um, so I mean, we've we've kind of. I feel like we've talked around. Like I've always wanted to insert this next thing into the conversation earlier because again, Chip, you've talked about like learning stuff that you've always wanted to learn, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I guess. You know, obviously, Deep Cuts is 
something that's an important part of this podcast series. Um, So is there anything that you've, any influences or any just artists that you fell in love with um, that you're like going back and like digging into their discography um, and, and like saying, Oh, I mean, I'm going to learn, you know, this song that isn't the single from this record. um, But it's like, it's just like the, uh, uh, the, um, I, I, the, uh, I can't find the word now. It's like the pinnacle of this artist's uh, or this band's um, career of their discography for me. So uh, I, I guess, so what, what, like the right time, band in their prime, not the song everybody knows. Or not the, not the. Right. Hmm. I think the thing that comes to mind for me is Paramore. Um, which I grew up listening to Paramore. I was a huge, like, early Riot fan. Um, nice. But I stayed a fan of theirs kind of in the new era of the band, which they had a split about five or six years ago um, and released this self-titled record that is fantastic. And that's where we got... Um, um, what's the song that we cover? I'm blanking. Ain't it fun? Ain't it fun? Ain't it mm-hmm. fun was a huge hit. But there's a song on on that record called "Grow Up," um, and it is so good. And and I definitely like through this the last few months. I I keep coming back to their self self titled record, and then the one they put out with um, I think it was Justin Meldal Johnson did the production on their most recent record. Yeah. Um, I think it's called "Fake Happy." Is that? Oh, after laughter. Yeah. 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 After um, laughter. Those those two records are such a strange fusion of like alt rock and and like new retro pop that I am so inspired by. Mm. So that's my answer, I think. Yeah. Solid answer. Um, during this time, I don't know. We I've uh, always listened to like it's weird around this time. Spring starts to hit, sun starts to come out, and then the more and more I, I subconsciously just start listening to the dead. I don't know. That's uh, like my yeah. that's like my summertime yep. drive around music because I'll put a show on and it'll be it. And luckily they've been doing their both the Grateful Dead and the Dead and Company have been doing the live streams every Friday and Saturday night, which has been really cool. Nice. Um, try to tune into as many of those as possible. But I, I like went and deep dove back on like sixties psychedelic rock quite a bit. And so we were, you know, we were talking about the power trio thing, but mm-hmm. one of the first albums, like I went back and really listened to, um, was the cream record, Disraeli gears and started working my way through like world of hurt and blue condition. And cause Jack Bruce was my original inspiration to play bass in the first place. So I was like, well, let's go back to listening to the guy that inspired it. And, um, tackled that. And I was like, you know, sat down and learned all those songs and, and played that for quite a while. Um, but we've, we've both collectively, we've been listening to the, the latest Theo Katzman record on repeat, on repeat since it came out. Yeah. Um, one of the last things we got to really do, I guess we got to see him live in, in DC and that was, it was maybe one of the most incredible shows I've ever been, been to no frills, no nonsense, just top notch yeah. musicianship start to nice. finish. We were up close and personal and it was, it was fantastic. Like if you haven't listened to that record that is like a must listen because the production again no frills but like gorgeous like really just punches you in the face on some songs and then 
lyrically, it's it's really moving, and it's I think it's really relevant. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I'm I'm really curious. I haven't I haven't listened to any of Theo's solo stuff. Um, you know, I've listened to Corey Wong, uh, his his yeah. solo records, and um, you know, obviously uh, all of you know all the Wolfpack's catalog. But I'm I'm really curious. Like Theo is such an important player in Wolfpack. Like, how is he different solo from with the collective? I think Wolfpack is a lot of fun, and and Theo is still a lot of fun, but his songs are, are really trying to say like something sometimes a little heavier than you get mm-hmm. from Wolfpack. Um, especially this last record, there's, there are a handful of like songs about going through a really hard breakup and going through mm. a loss and songs about our president. And yeah. it's, it kind of covers all of all the bases. Yeah. Mm. It, I, way I describe it, it's like if Wolfpack took like a really mature songwriting approach. Because musicianship is still there, and Joe Dart still playing bass, and nice. Theo's still in the band playing guitar, and I guess he drums on the record. He some drums too. on the record, yeah. So it's like if they if they went away from the the sort of fun antics, mm-hmm. which is great, and there's yeah. definitely a place for it, and I'm mm-hmm. not knocking Wolfpack in any way, shape, or form. But if they like tried to take a songwriter approach with the same musicianship, mm-hmm. you would have yeah. Theo Katzman. Yeah, and that makes sense. Wow, and it's phenomenal think for me too um something that i get stuck on a lot is the idea of genre and you can walk all over the place and come up with all different sorts of genres for music and especially mm-hmm. this theo katzman record but at the heart of it it's great pop music and it's mm. it's done in a way that isn't overproduced it's songs with great hooks across the board and um something for everybody yeah, I, actually, I, I want to comment on that really quickly. I thought that your your um, Instagram story, kind of discussing the idea of of genre and um, like what that means to you, Tyler, and um, you know w- how other people view you, and uh, especially like media and PR. Um, I mean, just that entire discourse was really, really interesting. Um, and I mean, obviously, like that's something that Will and I have been talking a lot about. Um, you know, this release that he's been working on and and we have ready um, kind of, you know, again, kind of like you spans a lot of different, uh, a lot of different genres, has a ton of different influences. um, And you could really peg it as, I mean, not almost anything, but in, in any of three or four categories. Um, So I really, I really loved your, um, how did you say it was Papacana, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought that was such a good, uh, just combination um, that really describes you. So, I mean, if you could just talk a little bit on how you came to that realization. Yeah, I think it's something that's evolving as we continue to like work on songs together and as I write more stuff. But um, for me, that was also really interesting. I, I posted a clip, a one-minute clip of our song, Hardly Feels Like Home, which had just come out on my Instagram story. And I posted a couple of poll questions. Um, one was, do you think this is a country song or do you think it's something completely different? And it was, if so, if you do think it's a country song, what makes you think that? And if not, what else would you call it? And the vote was about 50-50. Over 100 people responded. Um, and it, honestly, the, the conclusion to me just shows that, that music is so subjective. And genre can be defined by something as simple as a drum transition and a slide guitar. And over and over and over again, the response I got from the people that believed this song to be a country song, which I personally don't see it that way at all, um, and I can explain why, but the people that did hear it as that, um, 
they would say, well, there's this slide guitar at this point, and there's also this drum fill. And I'm like, how does, an in- how does a single instrument define your genre? It's the wildest thing, because yeah. in my mind, that song and the way I wrote it was honestly inspired by songwriters like Ed Sheeran, or Jamie Lawson, mm. who also works with Ed Sheeran. Um, I wrote it as a songwriter. I didn't write it as mm-hmm. a country song or even Americana. Like, I think the reason why people get that from my music specific, specifically, specifically from, from the West Coast, from the West Coast, <laughs> um, <laughs> is because um, the people in my band come from all sorts of different musical backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate is one of our lead guitar players. He is a fantastic slide player and definitely really can, can play like country music, can play mm-hmm. rock and roll and and um, Americana. And Chip's got a little bit of everything. He can kind of dance around all the all the different spectrums but also plays like in an americana band with moose right. trap yeah. um joel our other guitarist is is into like neo soul and funk and and loves yeah. Jimi hendrix and like and, d'angelo and all that yeah. sort of just weird time signature jazz chords and mm. brandon comes from kind of a, early a punk th- rock early 2000s yeah. world mm-hmm. and i just feel like it's it's the perfect storm. And and I feel like as we continue to develop independent music, that's what's going to happen over and over again. So my opinion on the whole thing is that genre is kind of old school, but our system for promoting and discovering new music is controlled by gatekeepers that are also old school. So as artists, we do have to play the game. We have to conform and find some way to market ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we just had this conversation this morning as I was going through submit hub, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with um, yeah. trying to like keep, you know, interactivity up and, and engage with playlist curators. And the, the feedback is so far reaching. It's the exact same discussion. Mm-hmm. Whereas one person finds it too pop. The other right. person says it's too country and it's so yep. confusing. So I think as an independent artist, I have the power to decide what my genre is, but that decision has to work in favor of the band itself so mm-hmm. if I decide that we're like something that we're not, that someone else wouldn't agree with, we're not going to get anywhere. Right. So it's kind of this balance of like being authentic and staying true to who you are as a writer, but also realizing that like we still have to fit within de- the definition of a genre for as long as those, I guess, walls are in place. Mm-hmm. Like until we yeah. all collectively decide that genre is thrown out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. I mean, and, and even like on Americana, I have this discussion all the time. If you look up Americana on Wikipedia, they give you this really long list of artists and like yeah. you can close your eyes and point at two of them and they are nowhere near each other, mm-hmm. like <laughs> so far off sonically. Yep. So yep. it's a very confusing genre. It's a buzzword, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. something that people in the industry hear and they have certain thoughts about it good or bad who knows um and um, a good friend of ours who's in a band called little river creek police came up with the idea of red white and blue americana like different genres mm-hmm. within americana so, so americana red americana red like is more country yeah americana <laughs> blue is more blues yeah and americana white is like more traditional is that like what it was folk songwriter folk songwriter so uh, i don't know funny. there's so many ways you can discuss it and like my my opinion of my own music is that it, it's it's songwriter pop music with a killer band, and I don't know what the genre of that is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a weird conversation we have to have with ourselves as artists when you like. I remember early on in my career when I was just a, you know, spunky late teen, early twenties, and you have that feeling. At least I did of like, screw the genres, screw having me boxed in. Like, I write music that kind of spans the spectrum, and then. I feel like as I've gotten older and focused more on music professionally versus just like having angsty emotions that I wanted to play to with guitar, I, I've realized there is like a give and take and it is a conversation with those quote unquote gatekeepers, whether there are playlist curators or the head executive of Atlantic Records. Like, right. It, ultimately, at the end of the day, if we want to sell our music and make it a career that we're, we can actually have a, a nice life on, we have to create something and then market that in a certain avenue, which is a weird thing that we have to do as artists. And that's why we have, I mean, you know, team members like Evan as my manager, like it's, it's, it's a weird thing. You've got to commodify your art in some way and market it in the, in the correct way, even though as a songwriter, I'm just writing whatever's I, I feel like I want to write. Right. And then you bring it to your right. band, like you're saying, Tyler, and it, it, it takes on a completely different sound. Yeah. Well, I think the the Americana word itself in particular, um, when we first heard it, we just, we really laughed at it. And I understand, I guess, in some ways, uh, where where that stems from, you know, musically and, and I guess collectively, it, it definitely, we have members of bands who've played that kind of music. Um but now, you know, it's funny you say that. I mean, but we, we kind of, in, in Tyler's own way, has embraced the term and made it our own and said, well, if we're Americana, then this is, to me, this is what Americana has to be then. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, kind of turn it on its head. It's like, all right, cool. We'll be Americana as long as this is what we say it is, you know? Yeah. We had this really interesting conversation in the car one time about where our influences come from. And I believe Chip was playing Sons of Bill on the radio and yeah. and we were talking about this how it has this americana sound and i was like well you know what this song sounds to me like a song by the fray mm-hmm. you just have to take the twang out like dial the twang down just a little right. bit and so i pulled up like i want to say it was like you found me or or one of their like earlier songs and and the feel and everything was still there the, the lyrics the emotion the instrumentation aside from maybe one or two differences, it was all the same. And so I feel like I definitely get a lot of my early songwriting inspiration from bands like the fray and one Republic. Mm-hmm. And I write songs that way, but you could easily throw like a slightly twangier guitar, like, like throw a telly and, and like some riffs onto a song by the fray. And all of a sudden it's an Americana song rather than an alt oh, yeah. rock song. Yeah. Mm. Sons of Bill is one of those weird bands too, where, if you listen to their first record, like and hear a song like Texas, mm-hmm. you know, or Roll On Jordan, and then you you can hear the progression, right? Yeah. Where they they came into their own as musicians, and and the music progressed as a result. And then you hear more of the influence of REM, which you know they're a southern rock and roll band, right? Technically from Georgia. Yeah. Is that a, I mean does that qualify? qualify them to be Americana. You know, they have yeah. mandolin and stuff in their later nineties, you know, early nineties records. And that's a band that personally for me, like I take a lot of influence from when thinking about putting a song together, you know, and, and cause to me that, that is really great, well-crafted pop music. Mm-hmm. Like they knew how to do it. Like you listen to even like murmur, like the, the melodies and the way it's arranged, you can't even make out what, what Michael Stipe's singing. But it's so catchy. Yeah. I think something you said um, 
about artists like Sons of Bill, as you listen to their repertoire, you hear their their sound um, transform and you know, they're kind of finding themselves as, as musicians. I think we're probably also in the same place. Like, um, Property is the first record I've put out um, with a band and it definitely was an exploration of what exactly are we going for? And it's it's interesting to me that so many people latched onto the Americana side of things rather than the pop. Um, mm-hmm. And right. as we've been kind of talking about the full record, um, which would be 10 songs and hopefully out next year if all goes right, um, it's it's half and half. It's It's going to be something where like on one side you get the pop and then you flip it over and you get the songwriter kind of yeah. Americana. And we're we're kind of actively thinking about what those two sides can can feel mm-hmm. like if they're both separate but also kind of all one project yeah. right I, yeah sorry go ahead well no take it away dude yeah i mean i was just gonna say um so i don't have you guys ever watched the foo fighters documentary uh back and forth yeah i've seen it okay so do you know that section where uh, Dave Grohl talks about how uh, later in the Foo Fighters progression, um, I can't remember which record it started with. Um, I think it was the... In Your uh, Honor was... was They did yeah. an acoustic album. Exactly, yeah. Or like half. It, and yeah, they did exactly. an entire... Half acoustic, yeah. Yeah, um, that strangely enough was the first record I ever bought for myself. So Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. And I love that's that record. Awesome. Because, you know, you get a tune like Virginia Moon. You want to talk about deep cuts. Go listen to Virginia Moon by the Foo Fighters. And you'd be like, this is, this is who, (laughs) right? And and like, you know, and then didn't listen to side, side one in your honor. First track. We're talking like heavy screaming Dave Grohl. Mm -hmm. Pounding drums. Pounding drums. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, where does that fall? Exactly. And, and, and I just think about, again, when Dave Grohl is talking about that record and, and what he wanted to do and how his fan base then responded to it, it ultimately he didn't, he didn't make that decision to do that because of his fan base. He made that decision because he wanted to creatively pursue that approach to creating mm-hmm. and crafting music. And so I guess, you know, my thing is, is if you can write a really, really good song, right. it doesn't matter what genre it is, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what instrumentation you have on it, if it's a really, really good song and the instrumentation and the lyrics and the, just the feel is, is all put together and it creates something really, really amazing and, and you get a feeling from it, right. it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. genre it's in, if it's on your record and you can do it as a progression where your entire records, you know, it starts as one thing and ends as another. Um, or maybe it's over a series of records. Honestly, I don't care if it's all good music, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to listen to it to that point. Uh, cause it was the next record that had pretender on it. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of the record off the top of my head, but instead of doing the one side's acoustic, the other CD is going to be the full band. Right. They just, they just, did one album that was both and they yep. incorporated elements of the last record that was so successful for them as one album and it won a Grammy. Yeah. So yep. they like laid down the foundation for themselves to put out the record that they wanted to on the next one. Mm-hmm. And you had a track like home that was a piano ballad and it was like so, so quiet and like yeah. girl sounds so vulnerable as a, as a songwriter and a singer on that track. 
And then yet again, like the other big single off that was Pretender. And that's like, that's a fiery rock and roll song if there ever was mm-hmm. one. And uh, a lot of a lot of great tracks off that one as well. Statues. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a ton of really good songs on the next record that was like, it was kind of a mix of everything. Yeah. And, and I guess the last thing that I just want to say about that is that I, I think that's something that as a musician, um, you know, with playing with Will and playing with you guys that I've, I've really, really appreciated was just the, the dynamic nature of, of the music. Uh, like, I mean, again, I think about that Roanoke show that I played with you all. And then also the one in DC, mm-hmm. um, right. in that tiny, <laughs> tiny club. <laughs> not going to name show. names of yeah. venues, but no. that was, that was an I, interesting I spot. Know. That's on the list of stinkers for us. Was, but it was a good show. We played it was a great a set. Great, great people. Such a good so, set. There's so many people there. It was such yeah. a bit. But like the one, the one monitor for the entire stage was was different. It was a, it was a new experience. And uh, yeah, the sound and the, guy who's like, "You guys sound, you guys good. All right, I'm gonna go outside and smoke now yeah, and have exactly. a good set." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, that drum set that I played, I it was. Oh my god! It was held down by a boulder. Yeah, it was it was held down by a boulder, awesome. put together with like you know duct tape and and the the shells were out of round and it was. And I'm pretty, it was I'm pretty sure the guy played with pencils too. I mean, yeah, the, the, actually, <laughs> the guy who was the headlining band who played. I mean, he had the the smallest drumsticks I've ever seen in my entire life, but it worked for him. Yeah, he, he it made did. it work. It sounded yeah, tight. Made I'm, it work. I'm pretty sure coronavirus started in a DIY venue somewhere on the East Coast. <laughs> this one was. Uh, it might yeah. have been. It might have been the culprit. Yeah. And I wish I could say. And I wish I could say it was a DIY venue. It wasn't. Oh, it was but not. it wasn't. <laughs> it was. It's a legit venue. We we played a, a show here in oh. Richmond with um, Brady from. Um, what is the band called now? Oh man. Um, Sad. My brain is... Wow, you got me in... I'm uh, so sorry. Holy roller. Sorry. Edit holy that roller. out, because we need to remember this. It's okay. We'll have the audio we're sending to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Holy roller so, is the name So we of the played band. a show with Brady from Holy Roller and um, Gina Sobel. Oh, yeah, Gina. It was, it was right after we played that show in D.C., and we were just kind of talking about it, and both of them were like, we've played that venue. Yeah. We all... That is like a rite of passage to have a oh. horror story from that venue. You got to do it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've all had those, unfortunately. Yep, or yep. fortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Tyler, are there any um, are there any tracks on your records, be it property down through Rumble, that you would consider deep tracks or tracks that didn't get the the radio attention or the more mainstream attention that you would have liked them have gotten to, or that maybe they weren't made for that kind of attention, but you felt they were really strong tracks i think the one that i i wish had broken through and it's maybe kind of a tough time for it was this song you know nothing about me it's abbreviated ykanam um Mm -hmm. it's a it's a pretty heavy hitter in terms of like um topic it's about like being a woman in the music industry and having to deal with like gross drunk guys telling you what to do and how to do it and um, we put a lot of work into that track, and it's one that I think it's hard for people to latch onto. Um, it's a weird mix of it's like a rock song where piano is at the center, and that's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that one. But I don't know. I don't know if Chip would feel something different. He per- Chip produced everything, by the way. Yeah, um, I think I think that's that's the one to me that 
the reason it didn't get as much attention. I guess we didn't we didn't release that one as a single though. We didn't. We we chose to release um, say yes say yes moving, moving on, on in Denver. Denver. And yeah. those those three songs um, were great, and we thought that you know those were ideally when we talk about the genre and we keep going back to that. We thought those are the ones where people go, "This is a pop song. This is an Americana tune." Right. Um, in which, if you listen to the property EP, like you can hear us searching, I think, for genre because mm-hmm. there are songs like Denver that are very much like country, uh, have country overtones, and then you listen right. to Say Yes, and that's like modern rock, yeah. pop, like it's it's everything to me. Like it it was it was kind of we're gonna do we're gonna have heavy distorted electric guitars, but we're also gonna have a Juno sixty and. Mm-hmm. drums are going to be squashed and and we're going to have fun we're going to do dive bombs on guitar and, and stuff like that which you know where do, where does that all go into right like you you're channeling Eddie Van Halen at one point and then who knows what but then you know the the tune you know nothing about me i mean it like there's it's fuzz riff rock in a way yeah because it it's a it's a heavy riff song like the entire song's built around a riff yeah. and then you get this really open and acoustic sounding bridge i mean that one to me maybe personifies the band as best as it possibly can be it's it's Mm -hmm. tyler singing a song about what she feels strongly about and and trying to give a positive message and also like trying to tell people you know this is this is the way it should be or this is you know you guys should back off but it also is the band kind of like laying into what they do best Mm -hmm. yeah i think also something that makes that song kind of difficult to market is just it's a little contradictory to i guess the rest of my like i don't know image i don't i hate that idea but um it's it's edgy and it's it's not necessarily clean cut and nice it's it's me kind of laying it down for the people that honestly i come in contact with except for the fact that we're in quarantine but would come in contact with at all sorts of gigs. I mean, I even think of the show we played together in Roanoke and, and at a set break, I had a, a gentleman come up to me and tell me that I needed to fire everyone in my band because they weren't good enough for me. And it was like, what are you talking about? Like, why do you, why would you he, say that? He wasn't talking about me and you, Evan, by the way. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> he did, he did exclude us from this. <laughs> I, it was so, I remember the conversation But it was well. so, it was so uncalled for. You and I were having a good day. Yeah, it was yeah. so uncalled for. <laughs> and yeah, you guys sounded great. Um, but also everyone sounded great. I was like, you know what? You don't like, again, this is a situation oh. where that dude knew nothing about the situation. Yep. And it's exactly what the song is about. It's like, you know, you have no context right. for your so-called opinion. And they gave you his card, and he was like a dentist. Yep. All right. Let me let me <laughs> hear your yes. let exactly. me hear your dental record. You know. So, but what I, a, I guess what I'm trying to entendre. say is that that song contradicts the the overall theme within that record, which is one of kind of um, letting go, moving on, kind of establishing a, a new a sense of purpose in life. Um, mm-hmm. All of those songs were written in a time when I was kind of making a major life change and I was deciding to pursue music instead of a desk job. And, and that one sticks out as kind of the oddball. Um, but I will say there are diehards for it. And when we play live shows, there are people that know all the words. So I know someone out there is into that one. I yeah. know there are people that love it. I'm into that one. It's, Sweet. it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of the, honestly, like it's, I think, I think that again, we were just talking about this before, but the word juxtapositions comes to mind. Um, 
And, you know, I'm having this conversation with another artist that I'm starting to manage um, as well. Um, I, I won't say his name or anything like that because I don't, I don't want to put anything out there. But he and I have been talking about this juxtaposition idea a lot. And I think it's important for artists to show both sides of them, not just the, the clean cut, you know, um, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, I think, it's, I think it's important for people to, to say that I'm not always just this. But yeah. I'm also this, and and I'm I'm a spectrum. I'm not just one side. Right. Um, so I, I think that song has again it, it it means a lot. It means a lot to me because of that. And um, again, like it's just like the most kick butt song on the record. Like I mean, you could you could sing it in a rock club, or you could sing it in a in a smoky like blues club, you know, in Chicago or New York. Like it's yeah. it's got it's got all of it. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Thanks. Um, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been great having you all. Uh, but well, before, you. before you go, um, we're going to have you guys play a song if that's cool. And, um, if y'all could let the listeners know where to find your music, that would be killer. Sure. Yeah. You can find this song and all of the others on Spotify, Apple music, anywhere you listen to music under my name, Tyler Meacham, T Y L E R. M-E-A-C-H-A-M or at tylermeacham.com and you can follow the band and my music at Ty Meach on all social media. You should also follow Chip Hale on bass at Chip Hale on bass. Sweet. I definitely will. Um, what are you guys going <laughs> to play for us? Well, uh, we'll do, we'll do new, You Know Nothing About Me. Awesome. I can't wait. We'll take it away, guys. Sweet. the time you get this message I'm leaving town and breaking you down in my mind you're some other kind on my way to some destination you take the wheel without hesitation it's fine guess I'm going blind well I set the scene for this mystery all my history was published on a lot And my son is smiling enough for you Cause it has the truth And you're reading the signs Send for me some rescue Or dialing within an out of this tip Don't you wait for me to bless you And all you know nothing about me This message I've turned the page You've already written me off I get that a lot Center stays You're feigning your interest I disengage This song is deliberately tuned I'm not that amused Well you
Song. 